Hello, OK, to Wontok, and welcome back to Champions of the Pacific. I'm Vinnie Wiley. Malo le soifua, I'm Tali Anderson. Today, Moana Pacifica and the Fijian Indra explain what it's like to build a super rugby team from scratch. And rugby league returns to a South Auckland high school for the first time in over two decades. 26 years. The push for a Pacific Island super rugby team has been decades in the making. And finally, in February, it will come to fruition with not one but two new teams, Moana Pacifica and the Fijian Indrua. After being awarded a conditional licence back in April, the wait for confirmation dragged on for months before Super Rugby Pacific was finally confirmed in August. So with less than five months to go until kick-off, how ready are they? Fijian Indrua Interim Chief Executive Brian Thorburn and Moana Pacifica Interim CEO Pelinato Sakalia joined us to discuss everything from players and preparation to predictions and the pandemic. Well, we've got a lot to do. There's no question about that. We are um, uh, you know, going to be marching into a quarantine camp in Australia in the middle of October. Uh, I guess unlike Moana Pacifica, uh, who's playing in New Zealand and on home turf, so to speak, and uh, I'm sure they're bringing in some players from overseas, but they're also sourcing a lot locally. Um, we're, we're sourcing our players primarily from Fiji and we're going to have to bring them into Australia, put them through a couple of weeks of quarantine and then we'll have a three-month solid hit out with them to prepare you know, physically, mentally, tactically um, to, uh, to hit the park in February. Um, but uh, as I say, there's just an, an enormous amount of work to get that done. In our case, we've got you know, visa issues, we've got foreign tax issues, we've got accommodation issues and as a result, you know, additional financial burdens. Um, but, um, you know, it's exciting and, and, and that's just what we have to go through in this COVID challenge world to get ourselves to a safe place that we can compete with, uh, with the other franchises. Aside from signing up our players, of whom we need to get you know, roughly 37, we've got a coaching structure uh, and coaches to a point. We've got a commercial framework of sponsors and licensees. We've got, uh, in our case, venues to secure where we're going to play. Uh, we've got broadcast arrangements. So there's, there's a, a long laundry list of jobs. Um, but um, as Pelinato just said, it's, it's a challenge, but the rewards are very rich. Well, Moana Pacifica, you know, the exciting thing for us is um, it's been a tough road over the last few months, but uh, uh, this week we will be executing 30 contracts for players. So one way or another, while we may look like uh, the poor cousins compared to the other Super Rugby franchises here in New Zealand, uh, we will have its team uh, on the field come the beginning of the competition. So being in a position to be able to finally be able to contract the foodie players that we've got, um, we've got a little bit of time to complete our squad, which is a squad of 38 and uh, 15 standby players. Um, you know, we do feel for uh, Drawer, you know, Drawer having to relocate from their home base of uh, Fiji to Australia we've had the luxury of being able to just, you know, the home base that we're working towards, which hopefully we'll be able to make an announcement on soon, that hasn't been disrupted, you know. So, you know, being able to, you know, know that we've got a base, that we've got a venue, um, that we're going to be playing our matches at, those types of things gives us great confidence. But by far the biggest thing that we really needed was a squad. Has it been challenging to build a team from scratch? 
the biggest challenge we've had is being in a position to have certainty. Pacifica players have been passionate about having this opportunity. You know, get inquiries from, you know, Europe, you know, throughout the Pacific, Australia, and here domestically. So there's been strong interest. But the big challenge for all our players is because they've got to support, you know, it's a livelihood, is certainty. You know, for both Brian and I, you know, for Drew and Moana Pacifica, we never got certainty on the license until July. There's no way any of the interests that our Pacifica players have, you know, they can't seriously start contemplating things until at a minimum you've got certainty of a license. We're only in the middle of September, so we've only been kind of working realistically with a degree of certainty for two and a half months. And we've experienced the same thing, albeit probably a little shorter time frame, because I think you know, we, we really only got the unconditionality removed in August. So, you know, it's a shame that, you know, from the point when our unconditional licences, both of us were announced in mid-April, um, three or four months have elapsed without yeah. being able to get a confirmed yeah. uh, competition structure. And as a result, you know, many of that, the guys that were on our original list who were playing in Europe had to choose between a firm commitment and opportunity in Europe versus a doubtful commitment or an unconfirmed commitment coming out of coming out of us. And you know, we you have to be honest and upfront with people as you go through, and you can't, you know, pretend that it's something that it's not. So until we had an unconditional license, we we just couldn't sign with anybody. Um, but having said that, um, every cloud has a silver lining and you know, we've got a, a great pipeline of talent in Fiji. It's one of the wonderful things. And, you know, we, uh, we're, we're very happy with the guys that we're signing, um, be they from, you know, from the local provincial rugby or from, you know, the seven sphere. And in some cases, we may well have to um, uh, contract the odd, what we call a joker. Um, for some, I'm not quite sure why they're called jokers, but somebody who's not otherwise you know, eligible for, to play for Fiji, but who might have to fill a, an area of weakness for us. What do you think mm. you guys can do on the field? That's a really important question. Um, when I listened to our coaches and the high-performance staff, the thing which I've learned from them is that you've got to look at this as a developmental pathway. The thing about professional rugby, when you're starting off on a program, you've got to look at a five-year window. And when you break up that five-year window, um, year one has got to be about the development and the establishment of your game. So when you look at uh, specifically from a competitiveness point of view, which is the thing that everyone kind of talks about, the measures that we look for from a Moana Pacifica is not so much about the win rate, which is what everyone really focuses on, but it's the performance. It's your performance against the game plan that you've got, your systems and processes and your structures. Are you holding those things? Those are the things that are going to be like really, really important. Um, the second thing is in terms of when we look at it from a competitive point of view is we want to do justice to the fan base. You know? um, as we said to NZR, um, if you want Moana Pacifica to be competitive with the Crusaders, then you've got to have something that is so disproportionately, um, from a revenue-based point of view, out of whack with the realities for us to be able to buy out some of our players that are playing up in Europe. You know, <laughs> And that was just never going to happen. 
So when you look at this stuff, you're looking at a process over a number of years to get to the point where you know you can go toe to toe with the likes of the Crusaders. Well, from our perspective, I man, I, I agree with everything Leonardo just said. I, you know, I think what we'd like to do is set ourselves a target of under promising and over delivering. Um, but it will be, you know, the inaugural season will be one of developing combinations, you know, getting the game plan, the style of game. I'd love to say that we had you know, a million dollars to bring Sammy Randrandra back to play. But, <laughs> but my budget doesn't go that far. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I, I did a, uh, an exercise, you know, not too long ago for one of our stakeholders. And I, I painted the picture of a Fijian team that drew upon, you know, the best in the world playing whichever country it was. And I had, you know, players like um, Seva Reese in there and, you know, Samu Karevi, uh, Ben, you know, Volavola was there and even Nathan Hughes from England, the Pithelliatos and the Nakawaras and so on. And you put it down on paper and it's an amazing team. And I'd like to think that in 10 years' time, we would have the equivalent of that playing for the Drua because we've been able to keep our very best talent at home and give them those opportunities. And Taylor, you've got a, a bit of Fijian heritage, so is that the way you're leaning? You're in Blues country. Uh, where's your support going to be? Yeah, I think that's a hard one for me. Um, I'm definitely backing Fiji, but um, I'm supporting our Moana brothers as well. I think the hard one will be when they're going head-to-head. I'll just have to see whoever wins is the team that I'm supporting. <laughs> Yeah, well, they've got two head-to-head games, so those will certainly be good ones to look forward to next year. Rugby League is back at De La Salle College for the first time in 22 years. The South Auckland School is a mounting pot for talent, which boasts the likes of Jason Domololo, Jeff Lima and Lison Amo. But there's been no Rugby League programme since 1999. Former student and New Zealand international Motutoni has helped re-establish the programme the general manager of football and high performance at New Zealand Rugby League tells us what playing for De La Salle meant for him and why it was important for him to get the rugby league program up and running again. So I, I made the De La Salle league team, um, you know, the senior league team in the following year after the Warriors came. And I was I was 14 when I made it. So I was, uh, yeah, I was in year, year 10. But the, the thing that uh, I, I came across a, a guy by the name of Matai Tai Savia. He was the Warriors, or former Warriors player that um, he didn't play NRL or Winfield Cup, but he went to Australia and he had signed with the West Tigers and came home. Uh, came home in the end of '98, you know, after preseason training with the Tigers, and he drowned. He was at the Warriors in the Warriors um, junior grades. So he was the captain of our De La Salle team and um, he had a massive sort of impact on, you know, just on me when, when I was at De La Salle and in my, you know, my league career because I met him through that De La Salle team. So he was, you know, like a big brother and one of those who, you know, always critiquing my game and always saying, you know, you should be doing this or you should be training like that. Playing for De La Salle, you know, I was playing with older guys, guys who were you know, sort of junior Kiwis and in the Warriors system. And so they, you know, I got to see firsthand, you know, what you had to do to get to that level, but also, you know, just how you should be as a person, you know. So that's, yeah, those were the 
the things that I got from playing, you know, school league at De La Salle was that, you know, if you want to, you know, be a professional athlete, you've got to be at the level, you know, some guys like Ty, um, you know, Ty Severe that I mentioned. Uh, there was also Leslie by Nicolo. You know, he was there. So we, we had some pretty um, special, you know, players. Um, but that's the big, big reasons why I sort of wanted to get the Steel Arsal League team back at the school because I had a chance as a young guy to get mentored by, you know, an older guy. And, you know, those sort of things are invaluable, those lessons you learn. So, yeah. It was 1996, right? Was it the last yep. year that it was active and it's been so long? How hard was it to get it back up and running again? Um, yeah, no, it was really difficult. And there was a, a lot of um, opposition to it, you know, because it's, you know, rugby league has that um, perception, you know, whether people want to admit it or not, you know, there's that perception that it's, you know, it's a bit of a violent sport and, you know, people can, there can be some trouble associated with it. But I think now that it's you know come back into you know, De La Salle, people can see why we pushed for it, and they've also it probably you know it's brought the community together as well. I think like uh, you know a lot of people weren't aware that De La Salle hadn't had a lead team for so long. So you know when we were when we got up and running, uh, people were like, "Geez, it's been you know what 20, 20 odd years since De La Salle had a lead team." So yeah, people were, were surprised, and I guess that. Um, it helped our community because, you know, as you know, De La Salle's in Mangere, but geez, you know, you got guys not only in South Auckland but around the world who are still, you know, <laughs> hardcore De La Salle, myself included, when I was in the UK. So, um, you know, that's what it's done. It's just given, um, you know, something, you know, to old boys and, uh, you know, even parents. You know, some of the parents are, geez, you know, the level of support we've had from my parents is, from the parents of it in our team have been amazing. So um, I think that's what it's done. It's just brought, you know, the community together and um, and parents and the teachers at De La Salle can see what we're trying to do as a staff. Like uh, our boys know that, um, yeah, you might be a good league player, but if you're not um, doing your best at school or not behaving as well as you can, you know, we're going to, you know, give you a talking to and, you know, if it's, if it's bad, you might not even be playing, you might be watching. That's what this league, league team has given us the opportunity as, as old boys, because most of our staff, um, yeah, most of our staff, except for the teachers who are involved, uh, are all old boys of the school, yeah, to help these young guys and prepare them for, for when they leave De La Salle. And how, yeah. how's, how's it going? How's it been, like, the first kind of year getting it underway again? It, it, was, uh, it was hard work because, you know, well, you're pretty much starting from scratch and, you know, things... Uh, you know, things like jerseys and, you know, those sort of things that you just, uh, yeah, you're starting from scratch again. But um, it's been real rewarding, you know, when um, when you can see, you know, some of the changes that you've observed in the, you know, the boys in your team. You know, you see them coming in and, you know, to where they are now. And, uh, you know, they've still got a, a little way to go, but you can, obvi- you can obviously see the change in them. So, you know, that's what's makes it all rewarding for us. And Tyler, it's been a pretty successful return for De La Salle? Yeah, so they've had the first year um, and they won the senior A grade. So that means next year they'll advance to the premiership grade. Uh, they'll be playing against you know some heavy hitters like uh, St Paul's and Calston Boys, which is massive because um, there's so much talent coming out of those schools that are rolling into NRL, playing the sport professionally. So 
even though they've achieved so much already, um, I think there's a lot to look forward to. So uh, congratulations to De La Salle and we're looking forward to seeing them compete again next year. Sounds good. Well, if you want to hear more from champions of the Pacific like the De La Salle First 13 Rugby League team, you can find us online at rnz.co.nz. Just click on the Pacific tab. You can also download us from Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you find your favourite podcasts. Until next time, ka kite.